Thanks for listening to the Refuel Podcast. Be sure to tune in every Thursday for a new episode. Hey, who uh, tonight has, um, who tonight brought like an actual like paper copy of the Bible? Did anybody bring a pa- If you have, just kind of like hold it up. Brandish your swords. Uh, you know, just hold it up so we can see. I want to encourage you, um, over the next few weeks, we're doing this series called Binge the Bible. And it will help you out a lot if you bring a paper copy of the Bible. I like having the Bible on my phone, and I use it quite often if I'm out and I need to look up a verse or something. But if you do have a paper copy of the Bible, I'd like for you to bring it. If you don't have a paper copy of the Bible, we have, we have Bibles that we just like to give away to people who need Bibles. So if you don't have a Bible um, at home or like you have one, but it's in like Elizabethan English and you have a hard time understanding it, we have an understandable Bible to give to you tonight. See me or one of the leaders and you can leave with a Bible in your hands. So if you have your Bible, now the next thing you need is put your finger up. Okay. And you're going to be turning a lot in your Bible. So you just need to do this finger exercise, get it limbered up. Yeah, get the finger nice and limbered up, get it stretched out, you know, get it limbered up. Because we're going to be turning a lot on the Bible because um, we're starting, the, we're, we've been in this series called Binge the Bible. I, I looked it up. This is the longest series we've ever done at Refuel, like in the history of Refuel. Um, we're on week number four, and it's going to be a nine-week series. And it may sound like it's a long series, but we're covering a lot of ground. Tonight, we're going to be talking about the entire nation of Israel in one night, and um, and. Before we kind of get into that, I want to show you a picture of me when I was 16 years old. Um, this is me when I was 16 years old. It's my 16th birthday, um, and um, I'm not showing this just to show how good I. You know, make sure April knows how blessed she is. She gets to go home with this um, every night. Um, but um, I'm not. I'm not just putting it up there to show you me as a 16 year old. But here's the here's what I want you to think about. I looked at myself in the mirror at 16 and I felt like I was just kind of an unimpressive average person. You know what I mean by that? Like, like you, you, you look, you look at other people and you think, oh wow, the, this, you know, this guy's like, you got the chiseled abs and he's jacked. He's like the ultimate jock. He's great at every sport. Like this person's really smart. Like this person is, is, is gifted in this way and this way. Everybody else seems extraordinary except me. Who's just kind of like, like, not the stupidest guy in the world, but definitely not the smartest guy in the world. Not the slowest runner, not the fastest runner, not the, best, the worst soccer player, not the best soccer player. Just kind of ordinary. And then as I grew up in church, I was told stories from the Bible. I don't know if you got to this question in your tag, your favorite stories from the Bible. I was told stories from the Bible when I was young. They kind of looked like this. They kind of looked like um, our friends. How many of y'all grew up with these guys? Anybody else? You know? Veggie tales, um, but then you know. Also, I, you know, I watched those movies. But when when I went to church, they had some of you may not be familiar with this. They've kind of upped their game a little bit since I was a kid. Flannel graph. Anybody know what I mean by flannel graph? It's like er, it was like early Christian action figures that they would um, incorporate. And this is what a lot of times they would look like: the different characters from the Bible. Um, I put ripped Bible characters because, I, and I, I'm not. This is not an exaggeration. Like this is what Samson always. Looked looked like. You know, and, and this is supposed to be Jacob, you know, when he was wrestle, you know, when he was wrestling with God. And 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 this was supposed to be Moses. I mean, you know, these guys were hitting the gym. If you ask me, I think Moses was hitting the roids. You know, I think uh, I think Jacob was on the GM, the uh, the gro- human growth hormone. Like like I I think they were taking some stuff because nobody gets that jacked, especially in Bible times. But you think about it, you, you think about yourself as very ordinary. Then you open the Bible and you read stories like Jonah, 
who got eaten by a fish and survived for three days. You read the story about a hundred plus year old dude that built a boat that saved every species in the world. You read about Moses who like parted the Red Sea, David who killed some big ogre with a slingshot, and then you look at yourself. <laughs> you know, the Bible seems to be for people who are extraordinary. Living for God seems to be for people who are extraordinary. And oftentimes we seem very ordinary. But tonight, I, I hope that you see this as we look in the Bible. We're going to start in Exodus and we're going to end in Chronicles. And we're going to try to keep it quick. I hope you see tonight, though, that God uses these people but most of them are very ordinary people that he uses as a part of his extraordinary plan to save the world. I hope you learn that, that God uses ordinary people as a part of his extraordinary plan to save the world. So a little review. If you haven't been for a few weeks, or maybe it's your first time here, or maybe you've just been out in left field, you know, thinking about weird stuff um, the, the whole time I teach. Um, we've been journeying through the Bible. We literally started in Genesis 1-1, the beginning, the page one of the Bible. Uh, Haley's dad did our first lesson. I caught you talking, Haley. No, I'm just joking. Uh, Haley's dad did our first lesson on, on how God created everything. Um, then we talked about how Adam and Eve, the first humans, they disobeyed God. All of humanity was plunged under the curse of sin. That explains the brokenness that we experience in our world. That explains why the, you, people die. That explains why there's hatred and violence. Um, that explains the brokenness we see. Then last week, we learned how God made a promise. He made a promise that through a man named Abraham and the nation that he would father, God would rise up someone who would save the world. Remember we talked about Abraham was 100 um, Sarah was 90. We talked about how the, how the wrinkly 100-year-old man made a baby with a 90-year-old droopy cougar wife. Remember that? And they had a child. Well, we're going to kind of pick up where we left off last week. And the, to, to catch you up, Abraham and Sarah, they had a child. His name was Isaac. Isaac had a child whose name was Jacob. Jacob had 12 sons, and there's a whole interesting story there that we can't even get into, had 12 sons, and God promised that through those 12 sons, that would be the nation that God was going to use to save the world. One of those sons was the name of Joseph. You ever heard of him? He was another one that in the Bible always looked jacked, you know, not in the Bible, but in Sunday school, always looked jacked, you know, in the pictures. Joseph ends up going to Egypt. And Joseph's brothers come with him because there's a, a, a famine, there's a drought in the land. And Joseph and all his brothers and all their, you know, their, their wives and their kids, they all move to Egypt. And you can tell that God's blessing these people because they're multiplying like rabbits. And they're making lots of money. And they're being very prosperous in Egypt. And the Egyptians are like, hey, you know, to put it in 21st century language, we don't like all these foreigners coming in here and taking our jabs. So we're going to turn them into, we're going to enslave them. And the whole Jewish race was enslaved by the Egyptians. 430 years of slavery later, God rises up out of those Jewish people, a man named Moses. Moses has a whole, <laughs> go to Disney Plus, watch Prince of Egypt, and you'll find out what happens there. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, God uses Moses 
to work signs and wonders in Egypt to get the king of Egypt, Pharaoh, to release all those Jewish people. It's estimated there were maybe around a million of those Jewish people at that point. And they all leave Egypt in the biggest road trip ever to go to this land that God has for them, the promised land. Can you imagine that? Like about a million people on foot traveling. Like think about all the logistics. It'd be nuts. So that's where we pick up tonight. And real quick, what we're going to do is we're going to tell this, the story of Israel. You're going to kind of turn through your Bible a little bit, and then we're going to like learn some lessons from the story of this nation, this Jewish nation called Israel that God was raising up. So if you have your Bible, turn to Exodus chapter 19. And as you're turning to Exodus chapter 19, I want to kind of describe, um, I think you can go back one slide there, Jordan. Um, yeah, as I want, we're going to talk about the story of Israel in five different scenes. And the first scene, I call it road trip. Who likes a road trip? I always like the beginning of a road trip. And I don't like when I get sick and I puke and I have to pee every five minutes. But, um, you know, it, they were on the road trip to end all road trips, traveling hundreds of miles across the desert with a million people. But the good news is they weren't slaves anymore. Um, but on this road trip at a place called Mount Sinai on a mountain, God met with those people. And he spoke to those people through Moses. And what God gave those people was what we now know as the law, the Jewish law. You may not know the Jewish law, but you'll know these. The beginning of the Jewish law was the big 10, the 10 commandments. You know, thou shalt not steal, honor the Sabbath and keep it holy. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not covet. Those big 10 God gave along with a bunch of other laws. So let's look in Exodus chapter 19, we're going to read starting in verse 5. It says, Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, this is God talking to Israel, you will be my treasured possession among all people. For all the earth is mine, and you will be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. So God's getting ready to give Israel these laws they have to live by, but he gives, he gives an incentive, right? He, he gives like... The good of if you follow these laws, he says, this will happen. First, you'll be my treasured possession. That I will, I will love you in a special way and use you in a special way. Everybody, everybody wants to be God's favorite, right? Everybody wants to be their coach's favorite on the team. You, God says, you will be if you keep my law, keep my covenant. You'll be my treasured possession. Then he says, um, you shall be to me a kingdom of priests, meaning God promised that He would also use these people, Israel to show other people how great God is. And then he says, you will be a holy nation. So then you, you don't have to turn, but you can turn to the next book, which is Leviticus. You can turn to the next book, which is Numbers. You can turn to the next book, which is Deuteronomy. And all three of those books that follow are the laws that God gives these people, Israel, for when they get into the land that they're going to. You may have heard some of these weird laws. Um, it, it, unfortunately, it's one of the things that people like to hate on Christians the most for 
are some of the laws that are in the book of Leviticus. I don't know if anybody ever, people love to make TikToks about how terrible Christians are and they always like to go back to some verse in Leviticus that doesn't make much sense to us. But if you look at Exodus, the next place to turn is Exodus chapter 40. You find out why God gave these laws to these people. I promise it's not gonna stay like this for for a while. We're We're gonna get to some good stuff here. But look at Exodus chapter 40, verse number 34. What happens is God gives Israel this, these instructions. He says, I want you to make a place for me to meet with you. They called it the tabernacle. And there's all these elaborate, like, you should see it. We've talked about it before, the, the way that the tabernacle was supposed to be described. But it was literally to where they could pack it up, take it on the road. It was almost like a pop-up camper, <laughs> to put it in our terms. Like, like, build it like this so that you can, you can carry it with you as you go on your journey. And then when you stop and you find a place to settle for a few days, unpack it, and I will meet with you there. And when they put the tabernacle together, this is what happens to this tabernacle, this tent of meeting. Verse 34 says, the cloud covered the tent of meeting, the glory of God filled the tabernacle, and Moses was not able to enter the meeting because the cloud settled on it. And the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle throughout all their journeys. Whenever the cloud was taken up from over the tabernacle, the people of Israel would set out. But if the cloud was not taken up, they did not set out until the day it was taken up. For the cloud of the Lord was on the tabernacle by day, and fire was in it by night in the sight of all the house of Israel. So do you see what what happens here? They, They create this for God to come and live with them as they're keeping his laws. And it says that the Spirit of God comes onto this I hate to call it a pop-up camper, but it's maybe the way we can think about it. This tabernacle that's set up, and there's literally a big black like pillar of cloud that hovers over it by day, and they know God's with them. When the night comes, like a pillar of fire rests on it by night. So they can see God's presence, and the whole book of Leviticus is how they can keep themselves as a nation and as a people pure so that God will continue to meet with them. So we see some things in Leviticus. There's some weird stuff. Talks about not eating shellfish. Why does that matter? It talks also about not killing people. It talks about how to treat foreigners who come into their country. So there's all these different laws. And for those of you that are nerds and would like to know this, um, there are generally three kinds of laws that are in Leviticus. There's a civil law that tells them how they're supposed to function as a government. There's a ceremonial law which tells them how they're supposed to um, do this tabernacle thing. And then there's the moral law, which is telling them right and wrong, like 10 commandments. Don't covet, right? So God creates this law. And one thing I think you should know, and I always try to emphasize, is in this law, there's a lot of respect built in for people who are downtrodden and people who are outcast. One of the things that made Israel such a different nation is that they actually took care of children. Before this law was given, every other nation, if you had a baby... And, yeah, the baby was, you know, screaming, looking like the burn-up end of a hot dog. You know how ugly babies are. You know, a newborn baby. It was legal in most nations just to set the baby outside of your house and let it starve to death if you decided you didn't want the baby. Israel was the first nation, because of God's law, to say, no, you take care of kids. Israel was the first nation, because of God's law, to say, Husbands should only have one wife, and that husbands should not ditch their wives for a younger model, because that was something that happened very often in that culture. Oh, obviously, the nation of Israel didn't always follow God's law. We'll learn about that. But you see, there was respect for people who were often looked down on in society through God's law. 
So the first scene, road trip. God's giving them their law. They're marching across the desert. Maybe you've heard of Moses, you know, splitting the wide sea open, or the Red Sea wide open through the power of God, and they cross, and then they get to the land that God has for them. That's the next scene. The next scene is what I call um, moving in. They start moving into this land, and then they realize, hey, there's other people in this land, and they don't like us. <laughs> like, they want to kill us, and they're big people. Um, so God uses men like Joshua and others to lead armies that protect God's people. And then the next stage I call growing up. They're in their land and they've been slaves for 400 years. They don't know how to govern themselves. They don't know how to function as a society. They don't know how to decide what to do because everything's always been decided for them. Some of you know what that's like. You, you got your driver's license for the first time. You're like behind this wheel. You're like, I can go wherever the heck I wanna go. This is power, you know, and, uh, and then you have to realize with great power, you know, comes great responsibility. Well, they're realizing this and they screw up royally. If you're in the Bible kind of following through with this, I, I don't know how you would, but it's the book of Judges. And what you learn is that sometimes Israel is doing what God tells them to do and God blesses them. And then sometimes Israel does what God, exactly what God tells them not to do, and God removes his hand of protection, and these other nations come in and take them over. And then they're like, oh God, please save us. So God brings up what's called a judge. Sometimes, you may have heard of Gideon. But one of my favorites, for all you ladies, I always try to make sure Addison knows about this one, is Deborah was one of the judges, and she literally put a tent peg through the enemy commander's head to kill him. Yeah, so, so the Bible's, yeah, yeah, the Bible prescribes girls should be tough, girls should be dangerous, girls should put tent pegs in heads of jerks. Um, so <laughs> don't try that at school tomorrow. But, but God uses kind of ordinary people to, 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 to bail the nation out, but this nation is still everywhere they shouldn't be. Turn in your Bible to Judges chapter 21, verse 25. Now, this is a story that you would not believe is in the Bible, and I'm not going to go into it right now because we don't have time. But if you want a story that will just shock you, maybe make you blush, maybe would be rated mature if it was on Netflix, read this. But essentially what happens is people are killing other people's wives and women. And then other tribes in Israel are going and stealing girls from the other tribes and taking them as their wives. It's total anarchy what's going on here. They totally disobeyed God's law and abandoned God's law. And Judges chapter 21 verse 25 sums up what life was like in those days. It says in verse 25, in those days there was no king in Israel and everyone did what was right in his own eyes. So you see what God is doing here? He rescued Israel. He delivered them from slavery. He gave them this law and you done messed up, Aaron. They totally disobey God's law as they're growing up. Scene number four after growing up is glowing up. They have a glow up. They have a, what, what we know to be a righteous king, a God-honoring king, and his name was David. You know, you may have heard of him in his younger years, you know. Killed the giant. With a slingshot, right? Um, he became king. And what, when David was king, it said he was a man after God's own heart. God was working in Israel, and Israel became a powerhouse. They started getting very wealthy. They started getting more land. God was blessing them. And then David's son Solomon became king. 
And God continued to bless Israel. They got more and more and more and more money. And things were going really well, but Solomon made a, pro- made a bad decision. You know how God said, one man, one woman? Solomon said, I don't know if I like that. I think I want to marry her and 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 her. And I believe he had, the Bible says, over a hundred wives when he was king. Most of them at the same time. It said that they were not godly people. And obviously, he shouldn't have had a million wives either. But they turned his heart away from God. And then Solomon's son who became king, evil dude, And then as you start reading in the book of Chronicles, Israel has good kings and they have bad kings. And then they have a good king and then they have a bad king. And if you're flipping through your Bible, I told you, limber that finger up, turn to 2 Chronicles 36, verses 11 through 21. This is a 30,000 foot, 200 mile an hour journey through the nation of Israel. And in 2 Chronicles chapter 36, we learn What happens? So if you're there, what you're going to see is in verse 11, it says, Zedekiah was 21 years old when he began to reign, when he became king. He reigned 11 years in Jerusalem, and he did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. The whole book of 2 Chronicles talks about the kings of Israel, and it talks about the kings of Israel in one way or another. It either says this king did right in the eyes of the Lord, or he did evil in the eyes of the Lord. When he did right in the eyes of the Lord, when he honored God, made people serve God, the nation was awesome. They were rich. Nobody invaded them. When they did evil in the sight of the Lord, and God's, yeah, hand, God just kind of removed his hand of protection, they totally messed up. They, stood, yeah, they were defeated. Um, there was famines. Yeah, there was no food. Um, and we see this last king of Israel. He did was evil in the sight of the Lord. Go down to verse 15. It says, The Lord, the God of their fathers, sent persistently to them by his messengers because he had compassion on his people and on his dwelling place. So God sent, we're going to talk about it next week, prophets to say, Wake up, Israel. Wake up. Wake up. Wake up. You're screwing up here. You're going to lose your nation if you don't turn back to God. And they're like, pretty much told, you know, told those prophets, you know, up yours. And what do we see in verse 16? It says, they kept mocking his messengers of God, despising his words, scoffing at his prophets until the wrath of God rose against his people and there was no remedy. Therefore, he brought up against them the king of the Chaldeans, that's Babylon, the Chaldeans, who killed their young men with the sword in in, in the house of their sanctuary, had no compassion on a young man or virgin or old man or aged. He gave them in his hand. So Israel gets invaded by these Babylonians. And then in verse 20, it says, he, meaning the king of Babylon, took into exile in Babylon all who had escaped from the sword, and they became servants to him and his son until the establishment of the kingdom of Persia. So this nation essentially ends, not forever, but it ends because they could not and would not keep God's law. Babylon invades, takes all the prominent people in Israel as slaves, back to Babylon. So you see the progression here? Israel, they're in slavery. They cry out for God to deliver them. God delivers them, gives them his law and says, if you keep this law, I will care for you. You'll be my treasured possession. You'll be a kingdom of priests. You'll be a light to every other nation. They say, okay, sounds like a good deal. As soon as they get in the land God gave them, they start doing their own thing. Then they 
go back to God, and then they do their own thing, then they go back to God. Eventually, they turn from God and will not listen to the people that tell them to turn back to God. And what happens to some of the, a lot of the people from Israel? They get taken back to Babylon, back into slavery. So you say, Matt, cool story, bro. What does that have to do with me? Well, there's some things that we can learn from the story of Israel that interact with our story. And this is the first thing we learn about. We learn about God's character. We learn about God's character. Every time Israel turned their back on God, God rescued them when they called out for help. It's a good thing I'm not God because I would have given up on them. Maybe you've heard this or you've seen it shared on like, you know, basic girl Instagram. It usually says some of the effect of, don't let toxic people in your life or something along those lines. Well, here's the good news for me is that God didn't kick this toxic person out of his life. God didn't kick toxic Israel out of his life and God doesn't kick toxic you out of his life. God is faithful and he is merciful to you just like he was to the people of Israel. That's the first thing we learn from this story is I went through it really fast but the truth is I think they counted like 36 different times God rescued Israel from their turning away from him and from their you know, being worshiping idols. God is merciful. God welcomes people back. And we're thankful for that. So we learn about God's character. His character is so much above our, we usually like say like, you, met, you, you, you messed me over once, shame on you. You messed me over twice, shame on me for letting you do it again. Like our, our reaction is, if somebody does us wrong, you know, somebody burns our biscuits, we shut them off, we cut them off. And sometimes you have to do that. But that's not how God works. His character is so far above ours. The next thing we learn, we learn about the importance of God's presence. I put the verse on here, so I know you're probably tired of flipping and <laughs> kind of lost you, maybe got a little bi biblically disoriented in your turning of the Bible. But the passage we read in Exodus chapter 40, verse 37, look at when Israel was going through the desert there. It says, if the cloud, presence of God, remember, if the cloud was not taken up, they did not set out until the day that it was taken up. In English, if God wasn't moving, they weren't moving. They were able to, because they could see that God was with them, they said, we don't want to go anywhere if God's not going with us. Because his presence is so important and his leadership is so important in our lives. The question is for us, do we have that same mentality? Do we consult God on the important decisions in our life? Did you consult God about the girl you want to ask out? She's like, oh, she's awesome. Yeah, God may know the dirt on her that you don't. Yeah. Did you consult with God about the little bubble you filled in when you were deciding on your major in college? Did you consult with God about whether you should play this travel sport or you should sign up for this team or you should be a part of this event? Did you consult God? Do you spend time every day with God? His presence was so important to these people, these Israelites, they weren't gonna go anywhere unless he was going with them. 
So God's presence is important. Israel also remembers us, reminds us, I should say, they remember us. Um, I got a fifth grade education. Um, God, the story of Israel also re- uh, reminds us that God is a compassionate God. I wish I had time to go through all of the parts of God's law, 613 different commandments. How many of those were designed to take care of people that were shunned by society? There were laws to take care of people who were poor and that farmers had to leave the edges and the corners of their fields unharvested so that people who were poor could go and harvest them and get food for themselves. There were laws about how when people who were traveling called sojourners would come in, we call them today immigrants, would come in, how they were supposed to be accepted and welcomed and given the same privileges that the Israelites have. There were a lot of laws from God that were very compassionate and they were given to people who their natural inclination was not to be compassionate to others. You know what, even today our natural inclination is not to be compassionate to others. Have you noticed that? I wouldn't maybe suggest you do this (laughs) because I think it's like one of the greatest corrupting influences in America right now. Turn on cable news. And you will see it. Like, you, you turn on, you know, uh, you know, the Chicken Noodle Network, and, and, and they're trying to tell you the problem is these people and these people and these people and these people. And then you'll turn over to Fox News. The problem is these people and these people and these people and these people. And there's very little compassion from God. You could almost say the majority of American Christians are probably discipled more by, um, what's her name? Short hair girl. Rachel Maddow and Tucker Carlson than they are God's Word in the church. And that affects the way that we see people. This is a reminder that God is a compassionate God and he expects us to be compassionate to others also. Next thing it reminds us of, oh, I wish I had a whole lesson to do this one. I got like two minutes. It reminds us of God's son. What's so awesome here, this is the last passage I'm gonna ask you to turn to, I promise. 2 Samuel chapter seven, God speaks to David and he makes a promise to David, which is so cool. In 2 Samuel chapter seven, he says to David in verse 12, I will raise up your offspring after you who shall come from your body and I will establish his kingdom. He will build a house in my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I'll be a father to him. And he'll be to me a son. God right here is promising to David that through him, it literally says like from your body, like one of your physical descendants, one of your great, 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 great grandkids is going to be this one that I've promised to save you. You see how far we've come already? Genesis 3.15, we talked about it in week two. God promises that a human is gonna be the deliverer. Genesis chapter 12, God promises that someone that is in the line of Abraham is going to be the deliverer. 2 Samuel chapter 7 promises that someone that is in the line of David is going to be the deliverer. It's like a bullseye narrowing in. And then we don't have time to turn there now, but Luke chapter 1, the angel speaks to Mary, the mother of Jesus, and he says to to Mary, your child will be the one who sits on David's throne. See how Jesus, the revelation of Jesus, the story of Jesus is all in these Old Testament pages. It reminds us of God's son. It reminds us that you can't be saved by following a law or following a leader, but by trusting in Jesus. That's still part of this one, Jordan. 
It reminds us of that. You see, we're, some of us are rule followers. Anybody, any rule followers in here, raise your hand. You'll raise your hand because you're a rule follower and I told you to do it, right? And so like, if I just check all the boxes, if I get the spreadsheet done, if I do everything God wants me to do, I'll be good with God. The Bible says the law only makes us aware of how much we fall short from God. And some of us, we like leaders. We like following like energetic leaders. We get behind political candidates. We got people we follow on TikTok and we are all about those people. The nation of Israel, some were all about the law God gave them. Some were all about the leaders, the kings and the judges and the priests God gave them. There's only one way to be saved. It's by putting your faith in Jesus. Final thing, it reminds us of God's mission. God used these ordinary people named Israel to save the world. The original thing God told Israel, Exodus chapter 19, you will be a kingdom of priests. You'll be a light to the nations around you. You will point other nations to me. You know what God tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 5? That we are Christ's ambassadors. Now God is using us, people who believe in Jesus, to point others to him. And then in Revelation chapter 5, it's a little flash forward to those of you and I that believe in Jesus and are going to be in heaven worshiping God. One of the things we're going to say when we worship Jesus is that thank you for making us a kingdom of priests to rule and reign with you. So it always points back to Jesus. So the main point of this is that God uses in this Old Testament, the story of Israel, ordinary people to be a part of his extraordinary plan to save the world. Jordan, let's just go to the last slide that has all the four application points so you can write them down before we leave. Um, they're all F words. You wanna make it real in your life. You wanna live this out. Out of what the nation of Israel reminds us, Live these four F words this week, okay? The first is faith. The first is faith. Israel was trying to live for God, but they weren't trusting in God. So it's easy for people to try to, <laughs> try to measure up to God's standards, but you can't. You have to trust in God. You have to trust that when Jesus died on the cross, his perfect life was nailed to the cross and it was given to you and your sinful life was nailed to the cross with Jesus and your lives were exchanged and when you believe in him, his perfect life is credited to you. We're saved by trying, not trusting. Please don't skip over that one. It, I, mm, I get so sad when I hear people that have come to this youth group have come to refuel for weeks and weeks and weeks or months and months and months and sometimes even years say something to the effect of, I really like coming here because it makes me feel good and it helps me to get closer to heaven. I've had people say something to that effect. I'm glad you like coming here. I'm glad it makes you feel closer to God, but coming here and feeling close to God doesn't get you to heaven. There's only one way to get to heaven. And it's by trusting in Jesus. Question is, have you had a moment where you trusted Jesus? Next F word is future. Faithfully pursue the presence of God for your future and for your day-to-day -day life. Factor everything you do into what pleases God. What does God want me to do? Pray about the things you sign up for. Pray about the people that you're thinking about going out with. Pray about the decisions that you make for your future. Make sure God's going there before you go there. The next one is feel. Feel God's heart for the marginalized and the oppressed. You know, I've talked about some kind of extreme things, right? Foreigners, 
I'm not, not the foreigners exchange. I'm just saying people we don't necessarily see on a day-to-day basis. <laughs> Haley's like, Whew. no, I'm talking about. There are people who are marginalized and people who are oppressed that you bump shoulders with every day at school, that you're on teams with, that you work with. There are people that in society's eyes have this much value. Remember that in God's eyes, they have enough value that he would send his son to die for them. That when God sees them, he sees them with compassionate eyes. And we need to see others with compassionate eyes. The final one, it's kind of a, a big word in our tag tonight, is fire. Right? Fire. Embrace our role as the light of the world. Israel, they failed. God was faithful. Israel, they failed. Instead of, be, instead of pointing people to God, they let other people point them to the world. We should be different, right? And I'm, so, I, I, I'm proud of some of you guys. That was a really bad chest thump. I was trying to be like, you know, proud. Because I, I had a, uh, all you Huntington High students, I actually was talking to one of the, uh, the principals and he said, he said, he, he said, I, I know what you, he said, I know a lot of you, a lot of the students that go to your, you know, that, that go to your youth group. He said, they live out what they believe. Thank you for being a light at Huntington. And thank you for being a light at Midland and at Barbersville and at Huntington East and um, at, at Covenant and at Grace and your, 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 the groups that you're part of and the teams that you're part of. Thank you for being a light. Point others to Jesus instead of letting others point you away from him. So that's all. That's all we got time for tonight. Um, next week, it's going to be a little more low-key. We're not going to be turning as much. Um, and then the week after, we've never done this before, um, we're going we're gonna to have a lesson from a page of the Bible um, that no one that I know has ever preached on before. Um, so we're going to uh, we're gonna pray. And then um, we're going to be dismissed so that we can do signups for D now. Um, so when we pray tonight, let's, let's do it a little different. Um, we're going to go ahead and do our prayer by putting somebody in the middle. So if you'll come to the front. What we're doing tonight is um, Josh Barnett cannot be here, but his grandma had a heart attack um, this week. And if you know Josh, you know he, he and his grandma, he may be, he may be um, watching us via live stream actually tonight. Josh, and his, Josh lives with his grandmother. He's very close to his grandmother. She has been in the hospital. And he asked if we would remember to pray for him. So I want to end by praying for him. Um, so instead of having somebody in the middle that we all kind of mosh pit, I want just everybody to come to the middle. <laughs> and we're going to pray for Josh. So, so everybody just come on in here. Come on in here, get close. I'll put my hand on a, on a Judah here. Get close. Come on to the middle and put your hand on somebody in a church way, in a not creepy way. Um, you know, put, your, put your hand on somebody <laughs> as long as they're okay with it. <laughs> and uh, and we're going we're gonna to pray for Josh. Um, and Josh, if you're watching, we love you. Let's pray. Uh, God, thank you for bringing us together tonight. And thank you for what we learned. Thank you that you are a God that's merciful. You're a God that doesn't give up. Thank you that you have a heart and compassion for um, the marginalized and the oppressed and for ordinary people like us. And God, we think about Josh tonight. And um, God, I pray that he will know how close you are to him. You tell us that you're near to the brokenhearted and he's, he's going through a difficult season right now. And I, I pray that he will know that you're near to him because you tell us in your word that you are. Uh, but I pray that he'll know that. I pray for that to be, uh, just show up in his life. Um, God, I pray for those of us that are here. We know that he is going through a difficult time right now. 
I pray that we will reach out to him, um, that we will show love and compassion to him, um, just like you did uh, to people in the Bible. Um, God, I pray that as we leave that uh, you'll be honored in our lives. I pray that you'll keep us safe with this ice that might be coming. And I pray that we'll be good ambassadors, good representatives, good lights for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening to the Refuel podcast. If you have any questions or would like to review the notes from this podcast, be sure to download the Refuel app from the App Store on any mobile device.